0: Welcome, you're listening to a couple of annoyed grunt boys, and this is the 103th Simpsons podcast.
1: Come Saturday morning. Oh! I'm going away with my friend. Will Saturday span till the end of the day?
0: Podcast where we discuss Simpsons Seasons 11 and beyond. We don't deal with Seasons 1 through 10 because we feel like that's been covered enough in the podcast world. No, we're taking the podcast world to the new future of Simpsons, even though it's like 20 years old now. Yeah, that's right. We're reviewing yeah. the episodes you forget, and we're here to see if they are not worth forgetting. I am half-annoyed an Grant Boy Craig, and with me as always is our other half-annoyed Grant Boy, Steve! Steve let's just get in with this episode this week but not actual episode we promised right. if you haven't listened to the podcast before a few episodes ago much like a Siskel and Ebert we did a fun little movie review of Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and we felt that the next movie we should review would be Todd Phillips's Joker yeah let's talk about this movie <music> all right little warning this is gonna be a very spoiler heavy review if you haven't seen the movie or you don't even really care what we're gonna say we're going to timestamp stamp this in the show notes so look through the show notes <laughs> joker i was not looking forward to this movie when they announced a joker movie i was yeah. like no don't care
2: yeah um i think it's been stated several times on the show but i don't watch a lot of movies and i especially don't watch a lot of
0: superhero movies
2: and when this was announced i thought huh that's interesting but i wasn't sure if i wanted to see it
0: so one of the things that sold me on wanting to see it was after the first trailer dropped, you know a few months ago and mm-hmm. the the king of comedy vibes that was coming from with the taxi driver vibes the the Scorsese-esque feel of it set in the late 70s or early 80s. Mm -hmm. And even having De Niro in it, he's essentially like graduated being the Jerry Lewis character. And then I got really intrigued by this movie, like, okay, this is not your superhero movie. It's a character study.
2: It really is, yeah. And I mean, I know that Joaquin Phoenix gets a lot of credit for being a good actor, but
0: he's a really good actor. I felt like Joaquin Phoenix, he took Heath Ledger, I think was a huge influence in this movie. But it didn't look like he was copying it at all. He took elements, I feel like, he took elements from all the actors who betrayed him and created his own. Yeah, he kind of
2: brought his own flavor to it. And... The like nervous energy that he brought to it really kind of shown throughout the movie.
0: The show about his character, he he starts laughing maniacally like the Joker, but it's a form of a Tourette's syndrome. I wonder and though, is it? There's a lot that goes on with it. Mm-hmm. That what what actually takes place in reality and what takes place in his mind. Spoilers. Yeah. There's a lot of delusional scenes in this movie where he sees what he wants to see. Yeah, like his whole
2: relationship with his neighbor doesn't happen. And then it transfers to his mother who believes that she had a relationship with Thomas Wayne and that... that, K.K. Bruce Wayne's dad, Batman's dad. that bore the character... Of the Joker.
0: It was like in the middle of the movie. It's like, oh, so the Joker is really Bruce Wayne's brother. But then it feels like that's cheap. Yeah. That's a cheap thing to do. Like they did it with the last James Bond movie where they made, spoilers if you haven't seen Spectre, that they made Blofeld was actually like James Bond's adopted brother. Yeah. And it was kind of cheap. Do we need that kind of thing? Everyone's related. But we don't know. That's what I think this movie is. You gotta kind of have to go back to watch it again, find other clues to see what's actually real like because the movie ends with him getting what he wants he wants the world to love him and he does did that actually end the way he believes it to end
2: yeah or maybe was he in the insane asylum the whole time right that, it's really blurry as to what happens.
0: I like the idea that he creates this whole riot of people wearing Joker masks and Joker faces. And my, 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 he jo-
2: Joker face. He,
0: he doesn't kill Thomas and Martha Wayne, but some other person does wearing a Joker mask. Mm-hmm. But he, he did, again, create Batman by that. But then also Thomas Wayne would be at fault to also creating the Joker and Batman. True what if Steve at the end where he's talking to the psychiatrist in the the mental ward and then he escapes somehow like it looks like we're meant to believe that he killed her Mm -hmm. and what if it kind of like the shot ended with him like running away but it panned back to like her dead body but then next to her was like an issue of a Batman comic book oh yeah Batman on it that's why I kind of felt like maybe they should have done this movie was like it's not a Batman it's not the Joker like he's just an insane person in our real life that assumes that he's the Joker. yeah which many of these crazy people do maybe that could have been like an idea that they floated around but that might have been too yeah
2: a little meta commentary about how right he's removed from reality and that in that world batman does exist and he's just lost into it
0: yeah because there's a lot of things in this movie where you're watching it and you're like how did this happen all of a sudden like zazzy beats
2: Mm -hmm.
0: she comes to his house they have a funny meet cute (laughs) she knows his name like Wait, when did she uh, – well, they're neighbors. Maybe they know. And then, like, after, like, he kills these people on the subway, he goes, rushes to her apartment and just, like, opens it up and starts fucking making out with her. Right, and, like, She
2: just is, like, like okay.
0: So many good things about this movie. Like, that part – it's it's a bad movie. <laughs> but turns out to be, like, holy shit, this is a great movie. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Totally. It's... They use so many tropes.
2: Right. And then they turn them up on their ears. Like, yeah, I did
0: not go into this movie – expecting to like it as much as i did it's a rare movie where you want to go back and watch it again yeah because you want to see all those little details that you might miss like is he really the love child of uh, thomas wayne and and his mother is that real because like he went to the arkham asylum and like oh no bitch is crazy it's essentially what the guard says Mm -hmm. it's just about the psychosis of one individual this creepy dude but because the society made him that way right and walking out of the theater, we're all kind of like unnerved. Is that the word mean? Yeah. For? So I'll. I'll uh... So let's get to the main point. Yeah. Of this so <laughs> review. Uh, let me just. just... So let's just, let's just end up our review with saying like it's a it's a must see. Yeah. It's the movie. Uh, we'll incredibly disturbing.
2: It very intriguing. Beautiful use of cinematography. The colors are amazing. Joaquin Phoenix's performance is stellar, though I don't think he'll win the Oscar. Do
0: you think he will be
2: nominated? Though? Absolutely, he'll be nominated. He won't win, but yeah, it's a movie that is way more brutal than most quote unquote comic book movies are if you even want to consider it a comic book movie Um, i don't no neither do i but in summation it's uh definitely worth watching regardless of how you feel about it and i know that todd phillips might be a piece of shit with the whole world culture thing and that's that's fine but the movie itself let it stand on its own merit and see how you feel about it but craig uh let's get back to the best part or the worst part or the most intriguing part of our movie
0: experience so, cut to the end of the movie. We're sitting out in the lobby of the theater that we were at. This guy comes up to us, tall, lanky, long hair, probably, what, mid-60s? Yeah,
2: he's wearing suspenders, kind of a dark purple button-up shirt. Right. He's, like, vaguely uh, uh, clownish.
0: Right. And what does he say to us? He just comes up, what'd you think of the movie?
2: Pretty disturbing, huh? And we're like, yeah, sure. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, right, definitely. <laughs> and then he goes... I'll let you continue.
2: Then he goes... I was just like the Joker, except for I never snapped.
0: Why would you say that to Oh, my God. How do you respond to that? What are you supposed to say? As soon as that happened, I looked and, and Laura just, like, I feel like she just, like, stepped, like, 20 feet back. And yeah. was, like, out the door. Like, nope, done. <laughs> because, like, there's
2: a lot of controversy about this movie and the potential for shooters or whatever, similar to the horrible experiences of the Batman movie. And so, like...
0: When Aurora Colorado, yeah. Exactly.
2: So when the movie ended, I was kind of, like, looking out in the audience... <laughs> full theater but it's like a lot of like kind of creepy looking dudes like in their 20s but they all have like girlfriends who look like harley quinn (laughs) and i I thought like okay they're fine because you know they're with they've got a partner and so they're not like too alone
0: they got the mr j (laughs) exactly
2: but then this guy comes out
0: that's the one you're scared about
2: yeah and actually like before the movie started like when laura and i got there to meet you guys we were walking from the parking lot to the theater and we saw him not in the theater but just on the street and we're both of us like oh that's a creepy guy and then we didn't think much of it but then when he came back after the movie he was like
0: what the fuck we actually saw him come in before you guys came in he comes in and he's like one for the movie <laughs> so the girl is behind the counter and she's like any refreshment she's like no <laughs> it was just a really weird interaction that he had usually if someone's like any refreshments like ah uh, yeah if, you, if you're gonna say no you usually say like you know you're going to say no but you're usually like, i don't know <laughs> I, I think i'm good right. i'm good but like yeah the fact that it comes up like seriously what is why would you oh, i don't know Ah,
2: <sighs> yeah and it really freaked us out like all of us i don't know if he's like a plant by the theater to like buzz That's up scariness movie. but it it freaked us out so
0: guys don't be that person in the theater <laughs> to creep us out yeah enough of talking about that our review steve let's give it out of uh, bart spice i give this movie i give it a, a, an eight out of nine bart spikes I, I really enjoyed it i'm gonna agree with
2: you uh, eight out of nine seems about right i mean it was really intense and really brutal but so intriguing and uh yeah
0: you don't have to be a comic book fan it's fun yeah. to have these little Easter eggs for comic book fans, but it's you don't need to know anything. Yeah, it's just an interesting piece of... It's a very great character study. Yeah, yeah exactly. Of what makes you snap, much like Thanos. I get but that I th- joke. I think the DC comic books, I think what they're doing right now, I think this is the right direction for them because they try to do what Marvel is doing <clears> with the cinematic big movies. They're like, let's not do that. Let's just tell these little small stories. Here's an idea. And, yeah. What if... So
2: this was kind of a creepy Scorsese-esque character study, kind of like Taxi Driver in a way. Uh, What if every different character movie was a different genre? So like maybe they can do Batman and Robin as like a buddy cop comedy, and then well, they, they can... did that with
0: the Schwarzenegger movie, kind of. <laughs> I guess so.
2: But then they can do like uh, Booster Gold and uh, the
0: and the... Blue Beetle
2: as like a romantic the... comedy.
0: That's actually what I was thinking too, like because we know that the Robert Patterson movie with the Batman movie is coming out. Mm-hmm. Here's what I, I I don't know anything about it. No, no one does, but again, we we've seen like the Batman origin, we've seen the Superman origin. We don't need that like same story again. DC Comics. They've done these uh, offshoots called Elseworlds, but they've done something like uh, in the comic books they did. So what if instead of uh, Kal-El landing in in a farm in Kansas, he lands in Soviet Russia and is raised as as a a communist Soviet Russia? Mm -hmm. Make that live action. Make the Red Sun is what it's called. Yeah. Do the Batman movie with Robert Pattinson. Here's what I want in a Batman movie. I want... A detective noir movie set in the 30s oh yeah in gotham but like filmed in black and white just do that you can make that movie for like 10 million dollars 20 mm-hmm. million dollars and it's gonna gross you know 30 million dollars in the first weekend
2: that's true that's a good point
0: just you can make a batman movie every quarter that's not part of a big universe or they just like All right, do a batman beyond movie do a batman shit what if they did like a batman 66 movie like the adam west style but like if it's part of that continuity mm-hmm. with new new actors. Oh, this is a whole thing for a different podcast like let's cast <laughs> the the new batman 66.
2: I also like right? the idea of like a campy batman meeting with this joker <laughs> like, it's all like, we need our bat repellent, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> or our, our shark repellent. And it's so all like, just, like goofy. their goofy. And then, yeah. And then the Joker just like shoots somebody in cold blood. And like, the Adam West style Batman is just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, I wasn't expecting that.
2: Blood red beats Batman.
0: What well... just happened? So yeah, like I said, check out The Joker if you're a Simpsons fan. Sure, why is not? That, is that what we're talking about? Oh yeah, The Simpsons, that's the show. Oh shit, alright, let's talk about The Simpsons here. Alright, Um. so this episode that we're going to talk about came out in the year 2014, mm-hmm. specifically on the date of March 9th. Steve, let's find out what was so cool about March 9th.
2: Alrighty, well, in 1734, the Russians took Danzig in Poland.
0: Mother... Tell your children not to walk my way.
2: And he's been rocking ever since. In
0: 1788, Connecticut became the fifth state of Mm. our United States. And I got to say, Steve, I think the greatest town in uh, Connecticut has to be uh, Fairfield.
2: You're right. Fairfield has the best people. They're attentive and they listen well.
0: One percent. Fairfield. (laughs) We love you.
2: Yes. Thanks for your content, one or two people. Well, in 1820, the U.S. Congress passed the Land Act that paved the way for westward expansion Of North America.
0: I'm glad that that entire expansion of of, uh, North America was free of any peoples, right? Yep, no problems, nothing. Just
2: moving on to empty land, not killing millions of people and a whole culture.
0: Well, in 1822, Charles M. Graham Hmm. received the first patent for the artificial teeth. So... No more wood teeth?
2: That's true. Sure. Better to eat your graham crackers and not masturbate.
0: Little side note, that uh, they were invented to stop from masturbating?
2: Yep, about 100 years after this. But uh, yeah, they thought that the bland flavor would stop people from jerking it. Well, in uh, 1832, Abraham Lincoln announced that he would run for political office. For the first time, he was uh, largely unsuccessful in his run for the seat as a Illinois state legislator. But, you know, in 1860, he won as president and... And for me, him along with John F. Kennedy, two of the most open-minded presidents.
0: See, we'll pass your dad joke there. In 1841, the rebel slaves who seized the Spanish ship, the Amistad, in 1839, were freed by the Supreme Court despite the Spanish demands for extradition. Boy, they should make a movie about that.
2: They should. In 1860, the first Japanese ambassador to the
0: U.S. was appointed. In 1863, General Ulysses SSS Grant was appointed commander-in-chief of the Union Forces.
2: That's right. Good general, mediocre president. In 1900, in Germany, women petitioned Reichstag for the right to take university entrance exams. I
0: think that was the last controversial thing Germany ever had. It was like getting women to go to college
2: yep they let him in college and that was the end of germany in the news
0: i mean well let's go 54 years in the future to 1954 when wnbt now known as wnbc tv in new york broadcast the first local color television commercials the ad was for castro decorators of new york city
2: i would want a decorator to design my house in color because it'd be bland otherwise (laughs) in 1959 mattel introduced barbie at the annual toy fair in new york did you know craig That Barbie was originally made out of onion meal.
0: Hey, we finally made a Simpsons reference in the (laughs) Simpsons podcast. It only only took 40 minutes. Well, in 1964, production began on the first Ford
1: Mustang. Well, in
2: 1965, the first combat troops arrived in Vietnam.
1: Let's
2: go
0: 10 years to the future, Steve. Elvis Presley, the king of rock and roll, began his final recording session at RCA's Hollywood Studios. Hmm. Here's an interesting fact, Steve. What is it? A-
2: Elvis's middle name is Aaron, which is named after his twin brother who died in utero.
0: Now, that was what I was talking about. What happened in 1985?
2: Oh, uh, well, Gone with the Wind went on sale in video stores across the U.S. for the first time. And That's it probably cost crazy. like 120 bucks.
0: That's kind of crazy thinking about that, right? Like, for the first time, you could get Gone with the Wind on VHS in 85. Which means that
2: people probably hadn't seen it in like 40 years. Because it probably didn't get a lot of like theater re-releases. I mean, But it, may it probably have, but...
0: did. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. And I think, based with inflation mm-hmm. and like sales, is still like the number one highest grossing movie. You are correct that adjusted
2: for ticket price of inflation, according to Box Office Mojo, Gone with the Wind is the highest grossing film with $1,822,598,200 in gross sales.
0: But you know what might be that, Steve? What's that? Medea versus the Avengers.
2: Absolutely.
0: All right. Well, in 1986, the U.S. Navy divers found get this the crew compartment of the space shuttle Challenger along with remains of the astronauts.
2: It's really bleak, yeah. Well, Well, speaking of bleak, Steve. In
0: 1987,
2: you two released the album The Joshua Tree.
0: Ah, Jesus. Why do you got to bring us down?
2: Do you know that when you bought a cordless phone, it was preloaded?
0: With the Joshua Tree? Yep. How about in 1990? Dr. Antonia Novella was sworn in as the first female and Hispanic (laughs) Surgeon General.
2: Well, that's very progressive. But in 1993, Rodney King testified at the federal trial of four los angeles police officers accused of violating his civil rights
0: well in 1997 (laughs) in los angeles christopher wallace was killed in a drive-by shooting at the age of 24 christopher wallace aka notorious big let's not talk about death and terry further and talk about birth
2: sure well americo vespucci the discoverer of the american continent was born in On this date in 1454.
0: Oh, fun fact. Your father and him shared the same uh, year. (laughs) Yeah. Not the same date, but same year. Uh, Leland Stanford was born in 1824. He is, of course, railroad pioneer, but also founded a little college called Stanford, which was interesting because that was his last name.
2: Well, in 1934, a Yuri Gagarin, who's an astronaut and not Yuri Geller, the (laughs) spoon-bending magician, as I originally thought.
0: Uh, Gagarin was the first, I guess, human to orbit Earth in space. Take that, like of the dog. Actor, Raul Julia, R.A.P., was born in 1940. Uh, I, of course, know him mostly from uh, the episode of Mr. Science Theater that he was on. <laughs> and Street Fighter well, 2. Over, well, Street Fighter 2. And, of course, Gomez Adams in the Adams family movies.
2: That's right. And serious roles, which he's probably won awards for. He was a great it...
0: actor who left us too soon. That's right.
2: In 1943, Bobby Fischer was born. Checkmate.
0: We got uh, actress Linda Forentino from Dogma and Men in Black was born in 1960.
2: In 1971, Webster himself. Emmanuel Lewis, the man of a thousand words.
0: I don't think he made the dictionary. But his name is Webster. Actress... Britney Snow, born in 1986.
2: From movies such as uh, Pitch Perfect. Cool. Well, in 1987, Bow Wow, formerly known as Lil Bow Wow, was born. And he had a song about beating Michael Jordan in basketball.
0: That's how he beat Mike. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about actually in uh, March 9th, 2014, the number one movie of the week was 300 Rise of an Empire. Ooh. Steve, did you ever see the 300 sequel?
2: But of course I didn't.
0: I didn't either.
2: Uh, and your number one song is... Oh, don't
0: play it, please. Don't, don't, no. Why, are you sad? No. Do
2: you think it no, will make normal. you happy? That's right, Craig. Happy by Pharrell Williams.
1: Because I'm happy. I'm alone if you fail.
0: This song does not make me happy. How about you?
2: (laughs) I feel really uh, nothing towards it. We heard it a lot that year. It kind of introduced the song of the summer uh, kind of thing because nobody listens to songs anymore, like collectively. But this kind of began a trend of uh, people listening to one song for the summer and just kind of identifying
0: it you hear it when you're walking down the grocery store aisles and mm-hmm. you're just like no i'm done with it I'm, I'm done with it but that's me yeah i get that. that's me it's it's annoying song all right Steve. let's uh let's take a break before that let's find out we're going to watch this episode here steve we're watching an episode from season 25 episode 12 digs a recent transfer student named Diggs, uh, voiced by Dana Radcliffe, presses Bart from a confrontation with bullies, is what Google describes it as. Steve, let's watch this episode, come on back, and talk about Diggs.
2: Sounds like a plan, Greg.
0: We'll be right back. <laughs>
2: Today we are talking about the episode "Digs," the 12th episode of the 25th season, originally aired on March 9th, 2014. Uh, it is number 542 in the show's run. Your nerd code is SABF08. It was written by Dan Greeny and Alan Glazier, directed by Michael Polchino, and your showrunner is Craig.
0: It was me? Nope, sorry. <laughs> oh, you sounded like you said your showrunner was craig so i thought it was me but only um i will guess that it was probably none other than Mm -hmm. alan rickman oh
2: no may he rest in peace and never have ran a show of the simpsons okay
0: i'll try it one more time uh emma watson no rupert grint
2: no not ron weasley Uh, daniel radcliffe oh that's close and relevant to today's episode but i'm afraid not Ah, who was it? It was, surprise, surprise, Al Gene,
0: oh, Good old Al. Hey, we talked about uh, Dan Greenlee before. He mm-hmm. wrote uh, some episodes uh bonfire of the manatee is one we've talked about before mm-hmm. but uh alan glazier well he's written with dan Greeley in four episodes of the simpsons so far we have talked about him uh, the first episode he did was excuse me while i missed the Sky." Mm-hmm. i annoyed Gruntbot. we haven't got to yet but mm-hmm. uh, eventually we will judge me tender and then this episode digs nice so he's got four four simpsons credits to his belt
2: it's very respectable so our title gag is spider pig not plopper because he has the uh, the webbing uh flying through the sky and zapped by a laser from a u.s drone
0: i'm a fan of seeing the spider pig it's like if you watched the simpsons without seeing the movie you wouldn't know who that character was it's true of course, they do bring him back every now and then I, I suppose yeah i like it it's fun he's a fun character
2: i like i love spider pig and plot right uh our billboard gag is st patrick's day at mo's leprechauns drink free because this was aired in uh march march 9th so st patrick's the- day is a coming
0: this must have been the last episode before a break. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. there is be
2: a rerun on the next date or maybe like Fox was showing like, so you think you can leprechaun a special about right. Irish
0: dancing. So you think you can drink. Oh, that's better. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, I'm just asking you, Steve. So you think you could drink? Oh, I don't think.
2: I know. <laughs> oh, okay. All too well, I know. <laughs>
0: so we get a fun chalkboard gag, and NCAA-style bracket, because it's March, so March Madness. Mm-hmm. With Homer and Jasper, for some reason, being the final two contestants. Steve, I think we could do an entire podcast about just this chalkboard gag of what's Bart... <laughs> <laughs> doing. I think so. So just to
2: give you some context on the left side, the original bracket is Lenny and Marge, Carl and Cletus, Grandpa and Homer, Bumblebee Man and Willie.
0: And then we go to the right side, and we see Bart and Ned, mm-hmm. Mo and Cookie Kwan. Kwan, yeah. Lisa, and then Otto, and then Jasper. I can't see that with Bart's face.
2: Right, yeah. So on the left, um, Marge, Carl, Homer, and Willie are the winners.
0: So then on the right, we have Bart, Mo, Lisa, and Jasper.
2: And then it comes down to Marge and Homer.
0: And then on this side, Bart and Jasper.
2: And finally, we end up with the final showdown of Homer and Jasper. So yeah. So
0: is this uh bart planning on who he wants to off (laughs) like who he wants to kill
2: maybe and i do if that is the case i like that he (laughs) made it to the final four
0: (laughs) he included himself i should kill myself but what has jasper ever done to bart
2: maybe he's just considerate and being like oh he's gonna die soon maybe i can do it without (laughs) pain
0: i feel bad though if that's true that marge got to third place there
2: yeah like both of his parents were uh just right there. And also, Lisa barely made it. So
0: do you have any other uh, ideas on this bracket?
2: Maybe it's uh, people he wants to be when he grows up. It's inspirational. That's nice.
3: Yeah. I so mean,
2: yeah, for a little while, he wanted to be himself, which is reputable. Like, I'm going to be a own person. And, you know, Carl's an upstanding citizen. And Willie has a good job. But, <laughs> you know, it comes down to his parents and Jasper because he wants <laughs> to be an old guy with a long beard
0: and gets stuck in a freezer. Yeah. Well, it's people he wants to fuck.
2: OK, well, I mean, sure. He wants to fuck himself. (laughs) And, you know, Lisa made it uncomfortably (laughs) far, but really he likes men and older men. And actually this is something I'll talk about later on in the episode, but Bart
0: might be gay. Fans, what do you think this uh, bracket means? This is probably the most uh, (laughs) this will be the most studied over work of art since the Rosetta Stone, I'm assuming, right?
2: Yeah, and this doesn't even teach you Spanish. (laughs) Um, But yeah,
0: let us know, folks. What do you think this bracket's all about? Hashtag bracket gate. We could talk for hours about this. Uh, Let's (laughs) get you on with our couch gag, which is is about an hour long. So, as the
2: Simpsons run to the couch, the lights go off. Uh, Marge, matriarch of the family, leaves to fix the fuse. And when the lights go up, the characters are drawn in the style of triplets of Belleville, and everything has a French aesthetic to it. Bart plays with a do it yourself faux grotto. Kit, Lisa plays with an accordion, Marge cries out, Maggie, quayes Maggie, which is French for where is Maggie? And uh Homer gets up and eats a snail off the TV, oblivious to the fact that Maggie is stuck betwixt his butt cheeks.
0: Steve, what did you think of this couch gag?
2: I did not like it.
0: I've never seen the triplets of Belleville. No, and I, I feel that- like
2: I would like that. Like I like yeah. French stuff and I like animation from different lands other than ours. It's like interesting to see. And it seems 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 like an interesting thing, but it just seems so removed from The Simpsons.
0: So this is a phase now where they're getting a lot of guest animators, especially like Academy Award winning animators to do the couch gag. And this is one of them. Mm -hmm. It also takes about, you know, what, like a minute 30 out of the the episode?
2: Yeah, we don't start the episode proper until about a minute 58.
0: So two minutes in. I'm fine with the artistic thing that it did.
2: It just seemed a little bleak.
0: Right. And I I enjoy a couch gag. That's just the that's all I need. that's
2: what it's for. But maybe Uh, this is a good foreshadowing for the episode because... This is a bleak and weird, unsimpsony couch gag done very well by uh, Sylvan Chomet. Right. I don't disparage <laughs> him for his work, and I think it's good. I just don't think it's the right fit.
0: Okay. <laughs> At the first church of Springfield, where the letter board reads "Pray for the out who is T Z R as Nelson takes her remaining letter S's. Fun little little visual
2: gag. Yeah. Inside the church, Reverend Lovejoy is finishing up a particularly boring sermon and welcomes a guest speaker, a reverend from the ill-advised mission in Indonesia, who tells a story that resonates with Bart.
1: I know how you feel, young man. Huh. Ha, the children in my village are just like you. One boy named Sumadi never comes to church. He is always tying the monkey's tails together and yelling, Tiger is gone, when in fact, Tiger is there. Unfortunately, Sumadi is sick now. What, Sumadi has a problem? Sumadi and others equally doe-eyed need urgent medical treatment. After all, we're all just children of Allah. I mean, God, sorry, (laughs) recent convert.
3: Poor
2: Samadhi, born in such a terrible country.
1: Now, wait a minute. But
2: good news to help him, we will now have a second collection.
0: Aww. Wasn't our sympathetic nodding enough? As the speech goes on, Bart visualizes the boy as a kinder spirit and wants to donate to the second collection. He asks his mother, Marge, for Bunny, but she gave her last bit of cash to light a candle for her Aunt Betty, only to have Shauna light her cigarette with a candle. That was Shauna, right? That was Shauna. This is your first episode with Shauna? I think so, yeah. Bart then asks Homer, but he has another solution for the Holy Spirit to get more cash.
4: Dad, please, for Sumati...
3: Sorry, son, I only have 20s. And if God needs money, why doesn't he just write another Bible? The first one sold pretty well. Does anyone remember when it was considered
2: rude to talk in church? Pipe down, Ned.
0: So I gotta say that, uh... That's one of my maybe my favorite quotes, but we'll find out later. Uh, <laughs> the <laughs> fact that it was, uh, if God wrote the Bible, he should write the second one. You know, it made a lot of money. Yeah, I like that line too. I like how Bart here is—he doesn't care about anything—and then when he visualizes the the kid, mm-hmm. Black Bart, <laughs> <laughs> at least Brown Bart. But but I like how it's uh, Bart only cares because he wants this kid to be mischievous. Just like himself. Mm-hmm. And so he wants to give that money. So that was a fun little joke. Just seemed you know? out of
2: character for him. Like
0: I thought that the first showing, but it wasn't because if you watch it again, Reverend Lovejoy is talking about a kid mischievous. Yeah, the tiger. Mischievous. says the tiger's gone. Right. tiger's still there. I know. It just feels and so, like...
2: This feels like weird, not a character for me. I don't know. I I don't I don't it, I don't I don't get it. All right. So Homer finally relents and gives Bart the cash under the condition that Bart must pay him back. He then immediately start, starts starts uh, badgering his son
3: for his money. Do you have my money? What? Do you have my money? How could I? Right. Right. Too soon. Do you have my money? <laughs>
0: So this whole scene is a uh, jerk-ass Homer. Obviously, mm-hmm. he was a <laughs> Sorry, real but. asshole. But the way Dan Kessenle also like does the Homer voice, and just the fact that it's like, "Where's my money, man? Where's my money? Where's my money, man?" Like just like how like a an addict or crazed lunatic. Mm -hmm. what have you. It was really eerie and creepy.
2: Yeah, but didn't uh, Family Guy also do a whole bit about Brian borrowing money from Stewie or vice versa?
0: You're correct. And I was going to bring that up, but you already did. And don't know when when that date, but but I remember that Mm -hmm. Family Guy over Over this episode, which is probably around the same time. Right. I like where's my money, man? Where's my money? Like shoots Brian in the legs. Yeah. And, yeah. I have to say that that, that shoot was funnier. Right.
2: It totally <laughs> fits like obviously I'm biased towards liking the Simpsons, but I feel like that right. whole bit totally fits the family guy. Better because, like, their relationship dynamics and just the whole way that they interacted with one another. I feel like right. that works better on that show, but I'm not judging uh, the show just yet. The badgering continues in the washroom at the Waffle Truth restaurant as Bart is up to bat and Homer is the uh, umpire at the dinner table with help from some alphabet soup. And in Bart's bedroom, as Homer is lying in a divot in his mattress, and even on the playground with uh, Fat Tony and his gang of toughs.
0: So then Bart tries to to get comfort from Skype chat with Milhouse. A pop appears, and then Homer once again asks uh, his son for the money.
2: I will say that I liked uh, Millhouse comforting Bart by saying that there really was a Duncan Hines. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs>
0: That's a cute joke. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the next day, Bart's on the swing, freaking about the need for cash. When he's visited by someone in a devil suit. Not the guy from In-N-Out Devil Food Cakes, of course. Right. Uh, that's a callback to one of our previous episodes. Mm-hmm. But somebody's working on the, uh, what, what play was it? Damn Yankees. Damn Yankees, that's right. Good gives Bart some inspiration.
4: Children of the playground. I will eat anything for money. Except money. I'll give you a quarter if you eat my gum. Ooh. I'll give you another if you eat mine. Ooh. Here's some orthodontic wax. And some cinnamon. St. John's wort. And here's something that'll make you forget about the other stuff. I caramba. So what else you got? All right, Simpson, 20 big ones says you're not messed up enough to eat this. <laughs>
2: so jimbo jones presents bart with a uh, dead frog that was to be dissected bart imagines the frog or the amphibian uh, coming to life and demanding money in homer's voice so bart eats the frog to the disgust of the school children
0: i like the scene with homer speaking as a frog mm-hmm. it's a funny animation thing also bart and the frog coming back later
2: oh yeah that's true
0: Good, uh, set up for a future joke. Uh, we then cut to Bart to the hospital as the frog was full of toxic formaldehyde, which was in a previous episode about formaldehyde being poisoned. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Bart pays back Homer, and then Dr. Hibbert starts nagging Homer in the same way Homer was nagging Bart for the $4,000 that... He is owed in hospital fees.
2: Yeah. So just as a rule of thumb for people, this is aside from the episode, but if you lend money to somebody, it's healthier to imagine that you're never going to get it back. Just in general. Maybe don't lend money to people, but as a rule, like, it's better for people to just imagine in the back of your head that you're not going to get it back. So when you do get it back, it's a pleasant surprise. It's not like badgering them. And also, don't worry about your medical bills. You can put those off forever. That's Steve's debt corner for the week.
0: Steve, can I borrow 50 bucks?
2: Sure, but you got to pay it back.
0: Oh, yeah, no problem. It's right. For
2: medical purposes. Of course. Well, here you go. 20, 20, <laughs> and a 10.
0: I prefer that
2: in Bitcoin. All right, fair enough. Beep, boop, boop, beep, beep, beep. Bitcoin sent. Uh, hey, Craig. Yeah. Uh, Do you have my money? Uh, What? Where's my money?
0: I'll get it back to you soon.
2: But I lent you $50 via Bitcoin, no less, and uh, you still haven't paid me
0: back. Well, it's Bitcoin, so it's gone. But you said you'd pay me back. All right, back to the episode.
2: Okay. So the next day, Bart finds that eating frogs can ruin your social standing as he struggles to find a seat on the school bus.
4: Ew! It's the kid who ate the dead frog! Herbivore! That's someone who eats plants. I named the frog Herb. Even you won't sit with me? Bart, if you sit here, I'll be the boy who sat next to the boy who ate the frog. And I'm already the boy who shared a comb with the boy who threw up on the boy who wet his pants at the winter carnival. P.S. I would have given you the money.
2: Bart gets off the bus and is stressed by bullies when suddenly a falcon comes to his rescue attacking (laughs) the tough kids. I like that they use that classic sound clip of a bird. They it's like the um, the Wilheim scream of birds, right? Because it sounded like you know, like from Birdman or from.
0: Steve, are you saying all birds sound the same? I'm not. Are you, are you birdist?
2: Hey man, those feather havers can do what they want. Santa mine, I'm sorry. Is feather havers offensive? I think so. Hashtag Feather 2. Those guys can flock together. That's that's all I gotta
0: say. Guys! Sorry. Those theys. Those bunch of cloacas. Bart follows the bird
1: and meets a new friend. Voiced by Daniel
0: Radcliffe. Ooh! Ooh.
1: Diggs and Freedom at your service. Diggs is short for Digby.
4: Thanks. I'm the kid that ate the frog.
1: Oh, so you're the reason I had to dissect a Muppet in biology today. We meet Diggs, a new character Mm -hmm.
0: probably gonna stay on the show forever i assume so did you know that like beforehand obviously we knew like reading this episode beforehand going on the. but what did you think of daniel radcliffe's uh performance so far like it doesn't sound like harry potter no he has a nice like
2: american voice and honestly like i I wasn't like obsessed with like sometimes if there's an actor playing a a role i only think about them playing the role but i kind of like got lost in it so good good on daniel radcliffe yeah
0: so after thinking. Diggs Bart learns that the new acquaintance transferred to Springfield Elementary a few months ago. At then he enjoys the lack of attention, particularly in the once dilapidated but now refined, renewed falconry club. Where Diggs is president, secretary, advisor, and faculty advisor. I like that little sign gag of his picture. But then, like the last one with the faculty advisor with the mustache. Yeah, I also like we talked about in a previous week's episode about. uh, it's a common thing in Simpsons where it's the, the buildings are like, well, over there is this building. And there's like that new fancy school that's across the street. Mm-hmm. <laughs> was that where the gymnasium was at in the previous episode we talked about? Maybe so, it
2: was. Maybe they're renting it out.
0: Bart then asked to join the club. Can I join?
2: Hmm.
1: I'll have to check with freedom. Habimus Papam, we have a poop. It's white. You're in.
2: Bart learns the beauty of the bird's flight. Well, his mother begins to worry.
1: Bart's usually first in line for taco
4: night, but now he's muy tardé. Is it all right to say tardé?
3: Hey, you said it twice, Marge. You're in pretty deep
0: based on our podcast, too, with, with Mark saying, uh, am I allowed to say
3: uh, <laughs> Muyas Tardis?
0: It's like us saying that. Yeah, because we are so culturally <laughs> we're sensitive. To, we're trying to be, right? Yeah. And then that scene, too, it's taco night.
2: Right. And Steve? Bart, well, Lisa eats Bart's
0: taco, and
2: <laughs> it would be way worse if the, the other way around. Um,
0: I was hoping you'd say <laughs> the, the other way. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Um, but why would Lisa eat Bart's taco? Because it's full <laughs> of
0: hot meat. I dissected the scene. Mm-hmm. And it looks like taco night is just like a name for Mexican food night. Because if you look here, there's a like a hard shell taco. Then there's like a bean burrito and I'm going to assume the next thing is maybe a uh, enchilada. Because if you look at Bart's plate, there's three different looking things. I, I see what you're talking about. Also, Lisa is eating a taco, but I'm going to assume it's just beans and lettuce Okay. That's really, you don't put beans in a taco. But then she grabs it. I think that's just like a bean cheese burrito that she's just eating.
2: Maybe. I just feel like maybe Marge is trying too hard to impress people on a Tuesday
0: night because. But Marge loves to impress. I guess so. So that's why I'm thinking it's happening. She's making every. Like when you make taco night, Mm -hmm. you don't make a taco and a burrito, right? No. You make a taco. Right. You make all the fix-ins, but you never say, like, okay, here's the taco and the burrito.
2: No, because you don't need a taco and a burrito. You're having tacos or you're having burritos.
0: But the only time you can have both is when you're drunk and going through Taco Bell. For sure.
2: But that's totally different because then you have, like, a 17-year-old stoner making your food, and it costs less than it should. (laughs) And,
0: yeah. (laughs) And it's not really Mexican food. It's Taco Bell. Right. My God, I'm drunk and I want Taco Bell.
2: (laughs) You know what? It's been a minute. I would also like Taco Bell. Bart continues to be impressed by the grace of the Falcons, but uh, Homer thinks he knows where his son was at.
4: Where could Bart be? I saw him heading across the field after school with a kid a little bit older and undoubtedly wiser.
3: Oh, I know what that means. There comes a time when a boy sneaks his first beer. Finally! I was beginning to think that kid was a teetotaler.
4: Bart Simpson, at your service.
3: More like at your six-pack, am I right? (laughs) It's okay if you need to take a little nap.
4: Why would I want a nap?
3: Because you're so drunk you can barely keep it together.
4: I wasn't drinking. I was learning that nature isn't a complete waste of space. That doesn't sound like you.
3: But it does sound like the kind of lie you'd make up after the first time you got blitzed.
4: I met this kid, a little older, kind of strange. I don't think other people get him, but I just want to hang out with him all the time.
0: <gasps> it's even better than I thought! You found your most leg! Another fun, like, callback joke that's coming up here with Homer trying to train Santa's helper how to sit. Mm-hmm. I'll just leave it at that, and I'll come back to it when we get there. All right.
2: Bart continues his training with Diggs, and we get a cheesy line from Bart, and then a kind of funny
1: grammar joke. If he starts to carry you off a slip out of the glove, Now, tell him to fly.
4: Fly, fly! Come on, man, do the wing thing.
1: I did it, he did it, we did it! Yes, Bart, that is how you conjugate the verb to do. Well done.
2: This is followed by a montage of Bart, Diggs, and Freedom with the bird stealing Homer's steak and replacing it with broccoli, taking off Selma's bathing suit top, which results in the beats being closed forever, thanks to a ranger and his uh, very convenient sign that reads, uh, <laughs> Beats Closed Forever. And then uh, Freedom snatching Disco Stew's bling and playing Got Your Nose with uh, Krusty.
0: And we get a nice little scene with Disco Stew, just be like shrugs it off and dances to the music. When you watch this episode... Mm-hmm. For first time, were you nervous that when he was flying next to the Duff Blimp and said, "I'm not your mother," which is fine. I, I was, I was almost afraid that the bird was gonna, the falcon was gonna fly right into the propeller.
2: Well, they could do that, then they could do a fun like Hindenburg
0: gag, <laughs> and, and the episode. Yeah, that'd be fine. That <laughs> sounds like you wanted to end like that. Maybe. <sighs> Freedom soars through the lard lad donut, and the boys are watching the raptor while sitting on a tree branch, impressed. We then get a poem from Jared Manley Hopkins, as read by Diggs. Oh boy, a poem. In an episode of The Simpsons. Yep, isn't that fun?
1: I caught this morning, morning's minion, kingdom of daylight's Dauphin, dappled, dawn-drawn, falcon in his riding, of the rolling level underneath him, steady air and striding, high there, how he rung upon the rain of a wimpling wing. Wow.
4: <laughs> I've already eaten.
0: I like this little bit. Where the falcon comes and drops off the frog. Oh, to yeah. Bart, whether on the tree, when Bart just like shrugs off the frogs, like, I've already ate. <laughs> I just thought that was a great callback to earlier joke. It was a callback to an early joke. Yeah. I enjoyed that a lot. I actually LL'd really hard to that. Ah, okay. More than I've LL'd to Louis C.K. in the past year.
2: <laughs> That's saying something.
0: Diggs then offers to show Bart something really cool. Oh. The older child walks to. To the
4: end of the branch,
0: spreads his arm and proceeds to soar majestically straight to the ground. thud
4: Say something so I know you're not hurt. I'm really hurt. Phew!
2: Our final act takes place once again in the hospital, but this time Bart is a visitor rather than a patient. Turns out that Diggs has broken his arm from falling from the ground from the tree, and Bart is keeping freedom at the house.
3: Okay! In your terms, points are like mice. Don't interrupt. I just thought it would be nice if we shared an interest. Ooh, you Korean girls know what a soldier likes. Fine. But the game is much more enjoyable if you understand it. Look, the Eagles and the Falcons. Tell me you're not interested in that. Ugh. I could fly too
0: if I didn't have a wife and three kids. There's some fun visual gags there with Homer playing with Falcon.
2: I like the interaction of the the two of them and the joke about, you know, you should be into this. It's the uh, Eagle Eagles versus the Falcons. Falcons. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I also like coming up here to get back in the hospital. Diggs shows Bart his cast. Sighted by the people he wished visited. Steve, I think we could do a whole podcast just about this cast. It's true. So let's start it off. It's funny first?
2: because it's a cast of characters. Hey! Uh, but yes, uh, so we begin with Mr. Phineas Fogg.
0: Phineas Fogg is from uh, around the world in 80s days. And we got Dr. Hilarious.
2: As well as Edipa Moss, which are both from, as we all know, the crying of Lot 49. That famous, of course, Thomas Pinchon work. Thomas Pinchon. See of if course. I read
0: that. I read that like every week. So yeah. I well, know. Of
2: course, and you know Thomas Pinchon appeared on The Simpsons. At one point.
0: Um and then we got Alan Quarterman.
2: Mm-hmm. The uh which of course is he was in the eighteen eighty five novel King Solomon's Mines.
0: Uh we get Professor T. W. Mangrove, which of course is from Pokemon.
2: Uh-huh. Some Pokeman shit. And then we got some Claire Quaddy Quiddy.
0: And and she's from
2: uh Uh she's from Lolita. I think she plays oh, uh the doppelganger Lolita. of uh, the protagonist Jeremy Irons, yep, Jeremy's then iron. Get, <laughs>
0: then we get the TARDIS, which is from Doctor Who. I know that
2: that's not a person, they can't sign your
0: cast. Uh, we get uh, Kilgore Trout
2: that is from uh, the works of Mr. Kurt Vonnegut, who shares my birthright.
0: Alan Turing, he makes the robot tests. Uh, Brinker Hapley from
2: a separate piece, the John Knowles
0: classic. William Wharton, Dalek number seven, uh, another uh, uh, Doctor Who, Mm -hmm. Kachula from everything, Mm -hmm. Stephen Daglius, which is Steve's real last name.
2: That's right. And I also know him from uh, James Joyce, his literary persona.
0: And then we have Major T.J. King Kong
2: from Doctor Strange Love or How I Learned to Love Mediocre Movies Loved by Nerds.
0: And then finally, we have a one John Schwartzwelder.
2: Who's he? I don't know. It just seems like a collection of esoteric (laughs) names that only nerds would get.
0: And John (laughs) Schwartzwelder. All right. Well, Bart asks his new friend about what happened on the tree. And Diggs explains that he thought that he could fly. Dr. Hibbert comes in and then says that there's another doctor who wants to speak to Diggs. And then Bart says something like, there's another doctor. I thought that was a fun line. (laughs) Yeah,
2: there's more than one doctor at this hospital.
0: Which is funny because like in The Simpsons, you only see either Dr. Hibbert or Dr. Nick.
2: Yep, or that tanned uh, plastic surgeon guy. So at dinner, Bart explains to his family that Diggs is being transferred to another hospital, the Twisted Meadows Psychiatric Hospital. Bart's parents don't feel that he should be visiting him. As Bart retires to his room to read Crazy Boy's Life, uh, Lisa tries to comfort him.
4: You know, Bart... Just because Diggs is a little different doesn't mean he's not a good person. What would you know about friends like Diggs? I have about eight of them. So how do we fix them? Oh, Bart, Diggs' problems don't have easy fixes. (gasps) What kind of cheer-up talk is this? Well, sometimes it helps to know people feel for you. (laughs) Wanna hug? You hug the bedpost, then I hug the bedpost. That way we never hug each other.
0: I really like the scene with Lisa and Bart there. Just having them, like, trying to connect. Mm -hmm. And instead of, like, hugging physically, that using the bedpost.
2: Yeah, the look on their faces after it, like, really sells it for me. Because they, like, shared a sweet moment. So, the next day, a morose Bart walks around with freedom. And he's accosted by the bullies.
4: Hey, Simpson, I heard Bird Boy got a new cage. One with rubber bars. Yeah, and a rubber perch. Yeah, yeah, and a... I get it. It sucks. Really sucks.
1: Rubber bird feeder.
4: Making fun of the mentally ill. Real classy. But you guys were... We were what, Captain Sensitive?
2: So Bart walks to the uh, falconry club to find that Diggs has gotten a one-day pass from the mental institution to enter the Springfield falconry contest. Bart asks about the state of Diggs' mental condition, and we get a funny line
0: from Diggs.
4: No offense, but when a crazy guy pretends to be crazy, it's not funny.
1: You're discounting all talk radio.
0: At the Falconry contest, we see Burns sharpening his nails with a talent care demo. And comic book guy with his wife, who are also falconers. Yeah, it's fun to see um, uh, Kumiko again. Can I bring up a uh, 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 Star Trek nerd? Oh, nerd alert. <laughs> all right, so Craig's nerd alert here is, I'm assuming they can't like have actual Star Trek symbols because they have to pay Paramount. Mm-hmm. But comic book guy is wearing these Star Trek symbols. Oopsie. Dale. Ooh! also he's wearing the rank of just lieutenant where i'm assuming he's spock i don't know he should wear lieutenant commander and he's wearing purple pants they didn't wear purple pants on star trek no and that's craig's nerd word.
2: i certainly hope somebody got fired for that blunder also Good. i don't know how cosplay works but if you're in a couple don't you wear
0: typically matching costumes i think she was trying to reference a orion slave girl okay but orion slave girls in star trek are green-skinned oh where she's blue-skinned which i think is more culturally appropriate (laughs) these days yeah because it's not so offensive
2: to the irish (laughs) So Diggs has a plan to let all the birds out while well, freedom is distracting everyone, but he needs Bart's help.
0: I like how is it Bart saying that uh so we're just gonna open the cages with our mind and things <laughs> like no, I'm I messed a... up, I'm not magnetic. Yeah.
2: That was a good line. I like that line actually. Bart sees that Diggs is writing off and they say their goodbyes.
1: Now Bart, I'm afraid one day passes don't last forever, and I'm probably not going to get another one for quite a while.
4: Wait! When will I see you? You can't quit the falconry club.
1: It's all yours, Mr. President. Well,
4: I guess some delicate birds
1: are safer in a cage. I had thought of it as a therapeutic milieu, but now cage is stuck in my head. So thanks. And thanks for being my friend.
0: Mailhouse then shows up and amidst pushing Bart away was pushing away the thought of losing him.
2: Very sweet. Bart really has like deep emotional relationships with these boys. Like, he mentioned earlier that he just wants to hang out with Diggs all the time. And then, like, Bart and Milhouse kind of breaking up was very emotional. I feel like Bart might have, like, a relationship beyond a platonic nature with some of the boys that he hangs out with.
0: I think you need to hold on to those thoughts, Steve i think we need to talk about that let's finish up this episode our final scene is with marge pulling out a small poultry from the fridge assuring bart and homer that she didn't kill the falcon it was simply a duck and they go Aww. oh because it's a duck." right and that's how your episode ends yep steve i think we should uh take a break come back and really get into this all
2: let's let's talk about it so i've got all some right. thoughts
0: all right we'll be right back Much like a pack, we're on our back. Steve, let's finish up this episode. Let's talk Alrighty. about how uh, we felt about this episode. We'll talk about our favorite quotes, little tattoos, and uh, get on with this week's episode. Let's start with uh, a tattoo. What would you get a tattoo on this episode?
2: Well, my first thought was the uh, the frog that had been, you know, formaldehyde. Mm-hmm. But I am endlessly, like, humored by cartoon birds, and they're, like, firm, like, focused eyes. Basically, it's just when you draw them, you draw a straight line on top and then a curve at the bottom. But they always have, like, so much focus. So I think I'm going to go with a falcon, like, freedom
0: for the uh, tattoo. So you just have a bird on your your shoulder. Yeah, that's right. I mean you could have the Falcon with the blind spot on his on his head. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll get a
2: tattoo of a falconer's glove and then do like some weird three D shit where <laughs> the the Falcon is on my arm and it looks like it. Is that
0: a thing? We we do we come up with this three D thing? We've talked about it before, like three D tattoos. I don't know if that's a thing.
2: But I'll find somebody who's really good. <laughs> and so if you look at it just the right angle, the bird will appear to be three dimensional on my arm and like, you know. 20 inches high or whatever.
0: Remember in the beginning of the scene where they're in the church and the preacher is talking about essentially their Bart. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's a black Bart. But it, right. lo- it looks like a bootleg Bart. It kind of does, yeah. So I'm getting that tattooed. I want a bootleg Bart on me. All right. That's respectable, yeah. How about uh, favorite quotes from this episode? Yeah, Craig, what were uh, your favorite quotes? Like I said before in the episode, uh-huh. I enjoyed the frog references where Bart ate the frog. And then later on, when the, when the falcon appeared to eat said frog, and he said, uh, I already ate. Uh, but my favorite quote from homer simpson in the beginning of the episode uh, again in the church
3: and if god needs money why doesn't he just write another bible the first one sold pretty well um, i think that was my favorite quote from the
2: episode it's a solid joke i like that yeah um so for me i did like the that joke and also the uh line where bart makes the bird fly and it turns out that he conjugated the I did verb. I thought that was a fun English joke, but I think my favorite was with the bullies.
4: Hey Simpson, I heard Bird Boy got a new cage. One with rubber bars. Yeah, and a rubber perch. Yeah, yeah, and a- I get it, it sucks. Really sucks.
1: Rubber bird feeder.
4: Making fun of the mentally ill. Real classy. But you guys were- We were what, Captain Sensitive?
0: That's my winner, I think. You're right. We didn't really go over that in the episode, but that was a good line. Also, that delivery from Bart, hands down, to like Nancy Cartwright there. That delivery is like he is really into digs. You talk about as a you know, homosexuality thing, but I don't think he so at all. It's just a kid, you know, really losing a friend. So let's just get into it. Steve, right. your thoughts on this episode?
2: Man, I hated this episode. All right. First of all, I don't feel like Bart would care that much about another person to donate money to the church i also have issues with missionary the missionary position but (laughs) not the missionary position but you know people who do missionary stuff i don't like that anyway because it's conditional charity and that's wrong but bart giving the money just seems out of character and then homer bugging bart so much about money that he knows went to a church donation doesn't make sense if it was for bart to get like new fenders for his bike or, like, some Pokemon cards or whatever the Simpsons equivalent is or some candy, and then Homer was badgering him, that would make more sense to me. Like, just the... Homer clearly knew that the money was going towards a charitable thing, and he was still such a dick about it. And then, moving along, the episode is so bleak. Like, oh, Bart makes a friend, the friend's real fucked up, and he's gonna, like, hurt himself... And then he does, and then he goes away. Like, it's just such a a weird tale that, you know, maybe if it was, like, a Wes Anderson short or an animation from some other person, I'd be, like, into it. But it just all feels so off-brand for The Simpsons that it just totally, like, didn't speak to me in any way. And it was just so weird. And the jokes were kind of, like off rhythm i felt like and not really funny so in summation there were like a dozen uh goes in that package in the in the Shame uh intro i'm gonna give it two out of 12 snails craig your thoughts
0: when you're talking about Bart not caring for other people, so I think that scene actually works because in the beginning of the episode, I think I probably alluded to it, was uh, he would care for someone in his kin. So he would want to donate money to the Hellian and whatever third world country that the church is donating to. Homer being a jerk about the where's my money, I agree with you on that. It's a little weird. It's this kid, you know, he wouldn't do something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Here's where I have to disagree with you. I feel that having a Bart episode where he is concerned about another human being, which we don't really mm-hmm. get a lot of. We right. see him concerned about fucking lizards in, in an episode. And a um, bird, we yeah. See, we see him concerned about his mother's, you know, with the Christmas episode. This one where Bart actually meets someone, like, there's someone with an interest— that Bart's never been exposed to teaches him something new. Bart Bart's a hard learner, and getting this kid to expose Bart to a new new life. And we talked about before that whole scene with the, the bullies of him just being like, this really sucks that like he lost his best friend. Like Milhouse has always been like his his fully his his little grunt, you know, like he'll do whatever. Mm-hmm bart says whereas like bart actually now is listening to someone about their thoughts and their hobbies their enjoyments and really gets to be the understudy of someone whereas he is always the alpha Mm -hmm. there were some really great jokes i thought of this episode i enjoyed a lot of this episode and i thought it was well structured it has a simpsons classic element to it it has the Musical montage where they the Falcons doing something. There's like a, a 70s rock song playing. It has uh, a celebrity voice, Daniel Radcliffe, who's not playing Daniel Radcliffe. He's doing a character. I'll
2: agree that that was cool. It's also it not had, Daniel Radcliffe's first appearance. He did appear in A Trials of
0: Horror. Diggs has the cast on with all the names we've talked about for like 30 minutes. It's one of those things where it just goes by in three seconds. You have to pause it to read all the names to get all the jokes. Mm-hmm. It has a lot of classic Simpsons elements jokes. It felt to me like Golden Age era Simpsons. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I'm sorry. It had all those elements that I enjoy from simpsons past
2: i i just i respect what you're saying but i just don't feel the same way like it just felt like a weird like fever dream of a simpsons episode where like it's like if you like fell asleep drunk and you imagined an episode of the simpsons but there was a bird outside of your window and just heard cawing a bunch and then you like imagined the episode but there was like this bird just like attacking the dream that you have And so it just, like, becomes weirder and more dark than it needs to be. I don't know. It just felt so tonally off from what I know The Simpsons to be. But,
0: again, I'll disagree with you because I thought this episode had all those Simpsons elements that made a Simpsons episode. It had the heart. And, like, you cared about characters. You cared about Bart's well-being. It had uh, Homer doing dumb jokes. Oh, I didn't bring that up earlier with Homer trying to teach Santos Helper how to sit and then trying to do all these things. And Santos to help does all the jokes. And then cut to scene a few scenes later where uh, a little helper city. And then Homer's like, what the hell is he doing? <laughs> I don't know. There, <laughs> yeah. There's so many visual. I, I, I enjoyed this episode a lot. So yeah, and you didn't, but I think this is the first for us. We always kind of agree. Yeah.
2: We're always pretty close. And was, the points that you but... make are good. And so, I mean, I said 2 out of 12, and I'm going to stick with that. But I will say that Santos E. Helper joke, that was funny. And Homer alluding to Bart being a drunk guy, that was funny. There are funny parts to it. I just feel like the episode overall feels off to me.
0: There was something about this episode that spoke to me about acceptance and trying to fit in with the society. That being said, I enjoyed this episode. So I'm going to give this. I'm going to give this a 10 out of 12s. Cargo. Wow. Yeah. I I would put this up there with uh, 30 odd episodes. I put it in the top five for myself. I'd watch this oh. again.
2: Wow. This would be on my bottom five.
0: Yeah. Well, there you go. Wow. I think the fans will enjoy that we disagreed.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I I just I don't know. I mean, I get what you're saying, and I appreciate the character of Diggs as being this dark weirdo who relates more to birds as he is with people. But also, I saw Home Alone 2, and <laughs> I got all that that I needed.
0: All right. That's our thoughts on this episode, guys. This is our first disagreement episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're regular old Siskel and Ebert here. And uh, my Siskel and Ebert, I will outlive Steve.
2: But not by much. <laughs> and enjoy <laughs> losing your jaw.
0: Steve, let's wrap up this week's episode Let's do a game. I like a game. Let's make the AI do the work for us. How about that? I like that. All right, we're going to go to our favorite website, talktotransformer.com. Steve, I'm going to give you a prompt, and you'll give me a prompt. Uh, Our prompt is going to be, Lisa Simpson and her brother Bart join the circus.
2: Lisa Simpson and her brother Bart join the circus. In this episode where the show takes a turn for the absurd, (laughs) I like the theme, but the writing, well, not so much. I also have a problem with the idea that a little sister will become her brother's traveling companion. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maybe she'll
2: get the message and decide to do something about it. Otherwise, I've already covered the first two issues of the story. There is no indication of when this episode is supposed to continue. But you can feel <laughs> the characters growing into each other and the relationship improving between Bird, Lisa. They. Sister is her brother's traveling companion. Idea is kind of goofy, even for a Simpsons episode. I also really like the way Lisa describes Bart as her friend. Not that I didn't know they were siblings, but something about how she says it—just <laughs> she's describing a good friend, not just someone to be avoided. The uh, only problem is that Bart and Lisa still know only know each other as best friends, not boyfriend and girlfriend. <laughs> I'm sure they're both capable of being in more traditional romantic relationships. But four.
0: <laughs> and that's our episode.
2: Yep. Um, how uh, about I, I pitch it. one to you?
0: Yeah, go for
2: it. All right. Mo and Lenny, Lenny
0: uh, start a farm. Mo and Lenny start a farm. I'll be honest, I'm a little scared about this show. And I mean, that is a disclaimer, but also I'm really intrigued. So to get you to be a little more excited and to hopefully make it easier for everyone to be scared, I want to talk about what I'm not scared to see in this season. I don't mean that in a creepy way. The show is not scary, although there have been some scenes where (laughs) where you are uh, being watched with creepy eyes and creepy sounds being played. And honestly, it gets scary. And I say that as a person with borderline autistic people. I've been a victim of it. I'm totally not ashamed of my symptoms. And there has been plenty of times where someone has told me I looked like a child. or that it was the first thing that hit me after I had left the house. Or that it looked like a little girl. Or that people were saying horrible things about me. And the reason I'm going to mention this is that if I had a chance to go back in time... Mm -hmm. And that's it. (laughs) Wow. This must have been, like, some sort of actor or actresses rant. I don't know. All right, well.
2: So, again, that's uh, the uh, AI uh, modulator from talktotransformer.com. Check it out. It's a lot of fun, if not a little weird.
0: (laughs) Uh, Obviously a little weird, and it didn't pan out for this episode. All right, Steve. Let's spin the wheel for uh, next week's episode.
2: All righty. Here we go.
0: We got episode 17. It's episode 17. Yeah. Well, uh, Alright. Can we
2: get the season one? Alright, let's get the season one. Sorry, I went out of order. Here we go.
0: Do, Woo! It's 17 again. Are we just like, doing season 17, episode 17?
2: I guess so. Or we're doing that, that movie with Zac Efron?
0: Uh, yeah, Garden State.
2: No, uh, that's uh, <laughs> Zac uh
0: 17 again. All right, it's 17 again. All right. So originally aired April 9th, 2006. Episode 17 of season 17 is Kiss Kiss Bangalore.
4: Oh. Homer,
0: yeah, Homer learns the nuclear power plant is being shut down and outsourced to India. Oh. Meanwhile, someone and Patty kidnap MacGyver. Guest voice, Richard Dean Anderson. Woo!
1: All
0: right, so do you remember this episode at all? It aired April 9th, 2006. I know that I've seen it
2: before, and I think that's all I'm really qualified to say at the moment.
0: All right, well, we'll be qualified to talk about it next episode. Tweet or facebook or instagram us at 138 simpsons
2: and you can always email us at 138 simpsons at gmail.com and hey rate review tell a friend
0: for this week i have been less of an annoyed grunt boy craig
2: and i've been more of an annoyed grunt boy steve
0: and remember keep watching the skis
4: (coughs) goodbye
3: Where's my money? Do you have my money? Where is it? You know, if you had the money, I'm right here. Do you have the money? Money, 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 money?